And she's ready. She's ready. She's ready. Hey, friend, are you a leader who is career focused, goal driven and possess a lifelong learner mentality? Do you dream about achieving your goals and spend hours Googling how to's and gurus? Does a side effect of your awesome, might I add, personality include perfectionism, the dreaded imposter syndrome and the ever present fear of failure? Well, you've landed in the right place. We just became virtual BFFs. I'm Erin Deal, the founder of the improv training company Improve It and a recovering perfectionist turned fail fluencer. Inspired by the improv rule, there are no mistakes, only gifts. This podcast is the creative outlet you need to not only motivate you, but the people that you lead. Through interviews with corporate leaders, entrepreneurs, and even comedians, you'll walk away becoming a more empathetic boss by realizing that failure is a part of the journey and you must fail in order to improve. In the scene of life, we all have our own unique gifts that we bring to the world, and it is our mistakes that help to unwrap them. Welcome to Failed It. Okay, everyone, failed it family, friends. Oh, I am so stinking excited. I have a friend, pal, HR, and people operations rock star on the line today. Welcome to Failed It, my friend, Betsy McKay. Thank you so much, girl. So happy. <laughs> I am dying on the inside and on the outside. This is now my ghost. I am dead because truly you bring me so much joy and I can't wait for the Field It fam to feel it. So are you ready? Because I'm just going to brag about you for like a full two minutes. Are you ready? I'll do my best to put on a face right now that is incredibly humble. Okay. Okay. Humble face. Ready? Yeah. Here we go. Yeah. Dr. Betsy McCann is an enthusiastic optimist birthed in the tender fires of the Midwest. First of all, I'm reading her bio and this bio could not be better. Growing up as a queer kid on a farm in a small town, she learned a lot about loving nature, raising pigs, and the necessity of authentically loving yourself. Currently residing in Salt Lake City's Mountain Paradise, Betsy enjoys hiking bicycles and ice cream. On her journey, she has been a speech coach, taught pit composting in Guatemala, and has used her time in the pandemic to fall more in love. Yes. Currently, she spends her days with the PAC Adam Broker as Vice President of People Operations, where she fails every day and is thrilled to be creating magic while building the future of InsureTech. Welcome, Betsy McCann, yet again. Erin, I'm so happy to be here. How did you feel? How did that feel? It felt great. Yeah, that felt like me. Okay, good. I I felt yeah. like when I read that, I felt like <laughs> it was you and I loved it so much. So let me ask you this. What's one thing in that bio or on your LinkedIn profile or even like your Instagram that we couldn't find about you? What's a fun fact? Oh my gosh. Well, you know, that farm background is one that like, because I was a child in the nineties, like isn't documented very well. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll tell you some quick facts about young Betsy. Uh, in 1994 at the Ohio state fair, I was the top egg judge in the state of Ohio. 
at a 4-H Stop conference. It now. Stop it now. <laughs> what, were, what were you judging? Like the size of the eggs? Oh, you know, there is a whole science and art of egg grading for like what you get in the carton. Like if I pick up a carton at a grocery store, I know how big the air cell is inside that egg. I know how those eggs have been graded for shell defects, for size. I know how to hold an egg up basically to a light bulb and look at what's inside and make a decision if that egg is good. Yeah. Things that I need to know more about. (laughs) Skills you never use as an HR executive. (laughs) Oh, oh my God. Okay. Never would have known that had I not asked that question. So I love that I now know that about you and I'm going to go grocery shopping and just FaceTime you really quickly to make sure. I'll hook it up at the the TJ's. I will. I'll be right there to help. Oh my God. I miss the TJ's. I'm okay. Cause you know, I moved. So I only have one TJ's oh. here and it's like 30 minutes and I'm just, I'm not in the mood to drive 30 minutes for TJ's. But if I had some, you know, the pub cheese thing, I would, I would be a better person. So speaking of moving, okay. <laughs> yes. You are now VP of people operations at Embroker and yes. you moved from yes. Chicago to, I want to say your dream location of Salt Lake city during this pandemic. So Tell us what made you decide to move? Well, my company, like every company, went remote during that time. And and as we talked about like longer term prospecting talent, what would be a best decision for us moving forward? And we talked about, you know, the ability to hire anywhere. And if we started hiring people remotely, you know, would we let our existing PAC members or would we encourage or support if people were like, you know what, I live near an office right now, but I don't want to anymore. And we decided as an executive team that we were going to be okay with that if people moved. And I was like, great, I'm getting out of Chicago. (laughs) So, uh, I mean, I'd been in Chicago for eight years. I originally only went there for two, um, you know, but sometimes you stick around. (laughs) And I wanted to live, my partner and I wanted to live somewhere where we could be in nature, where we could hike. I had only had one layover and one incredible set of enchiladas in Salt Lake City in my life. Uh, So we came here for three days, rented an apartment, um, went to three of the five national parks in Utah, uh, drove back to Chicago, packed up our our stuff and moved here three weeks later. Yes. Yes. (laughs) A little little pandemic wild in, right? Driving all over, like camping everywhere. Yeah, it was um, quite a quite a journey, but it was just really exciting. Um, I had no idea Salt Lake, uh, Salt Lake or Utah was where I like really wanted to be. But also if you want people to ask you a lot of invasive personal questions, uh, move to Utah. Okay. Okay. Good. <laughs> a lot of questions. Um, but I think like, it's been great. We are probably, this is probably just our gap year and we'll, we'll probably end up somewhere else later this year. But I think like for our time here, this has just been absolute like paradise and like the true meaning of what I think like pioneers and settlers found, you know, 200 years ago. Hey now. Okay. So move to Salt Lake if you want great enchiladas and just nosy yes. neighbors. Okay. Great. Yeah. Great, great, great. Okay. Uh, no, actually our neighbors are super generous. They've brought us homemade chocolate, <gasps> uh, homemade marinara sauce, homemade homegrown raisins. Uh, a couple neighbors brought us like just a cake one day. We have done some shenanigans here. We decorate our house for um, holidays. And then for Easter, we put little rubber ducks all over the neighborhood. Stop it. Stop we went it. Out for, we went out for a walk at like 10 o'clock and put little baby ducks in like Easter baskets and Easter hats, you know, like little rubber ducks all all up and down the street. We hid them in people's, you know, 
um, landscaping. It's just some shenanigans here in Salt Lake City. I love it. Can you, if you want to um, come to Charleston real quick and do just like a full, uh, like a, a fun stay with some shenanigans, yes. we're here for it. Okay. Okay. We're here for I'm it. here for shenanigans. I'm here time. for shenanigans. That is amazing. <laughs> and I'm so happy that you're, you're finding joy and you, I think a lot of people can relate that during the pandemic, they reassessed a lot of things and um, that's what you did. So I want, I want to backtrack though. Okay. I want to, okay. I want to go little, little, that was like, you know, the Saved by the Bell. You get me. Yep. Okay. So squiggles, we met, squiggles, squiggles, squiggles. Okay. So <laughs> we met in 2016, I think. Yeah. In the fall. The fall, because I had just spoken probably six months prior at a previous Disrupt HR. And I came to the next one and I was like, I know what you are all going through. This was, the, I mean, I speak for a living, but the hardest thing I've had to do, which I want you to tell us, for anyone who doesn't know what Disrupt HR is, can you <laughs> tell them what that is? Because I saw you speak at it. So tell, tell them what it is. Yes, it is uh, an event where you give a five-minute speech on uh, something that is disruptive to human resources. Uh, you have 15 slides that change automatically every 20 seconds, whether you want them to or not, um, which for me was absolutely the most like terror inducing part of the entire experience. Yeah. Like I better keep these real simple. Yeah. <laughs> if I go off track five words, I'm going to be three slides behind before I know it. So it's like uh, super intense in that regard, but also the most supportive audience of people that are just like cheering you on and encouraging you. And then you get to hear these fantastic ideas about creative approaches to the work that you do every day or things you haven't thought about or innovations other people have tried. So it's just, I always thought it was such a tremendous like learning experience and opportunity and, and just like the most fun authentic community I found as an HR professional. Oh my gosh, me too. And and you and I, after I saw your talk, which was all about, her topic was how to talk to your trans employees, which I want you to know after a quick Google search, I found it prior to this interview and oh. I rewatched it, okay? <laughs> and it still stands. It's amazing. This is 2016 and I will put it, a link to it in the show notes if you're okay because it was so good. Yeah, thanks. I want to ask you, this talk was so moving to me at the time. That is, I literally reached out to you after I saw you speak and that's how we became friends and we got coffee. I'll never forget back. You were, you were at a different position and I remember coming to your office building and I felt like it went by so quick and it had been like an hour and a half and I was like, oh my God, like she's the best. So what inspired you to give this talk about how to talk to your trans employees? Well, I think first and foremost, I ended up in that spot because when I came to your Disrupt HR, you know, there's the feedback form that they send and it was they, it was like, what topics would you want to see? And that was one that I put in there. And um, Nicole Desain, who was running Disru Disrupt at the time, reached out and we had coffee and she was like, you know, just talking to me. We had, we, I mean, like, it was just such an incredible conversation with her. I just remember being like, wow, this is so cool. Uh, and then at the end of it, she was like, yeah, that's a great idea. Do you want to do it? And I think my initial response in my heart was like, ah, no, I don't want to get it wrong. Um, and then of course, like my mouth uh, said yes. And, um, you know, part of the reason I was also really excited to get to work on that is that, um, 
you know, in the 90s, when I was in undergrad, um, I had a number of people in my social circle and in my friend group um, who were beginning to identify as transgender um, and, you know, go through like having a new name, having a new identity that was authentic and not new to them, but new to the rest of us. And I truly imagined, you know, what was this like 15 years later, that 20 years later, that everyone had had trans friends in college, you know, or everyone knew someone who had transitioned. And when I was doing, you know, some of my graduate work, I knew um, transgender grad students. And it was the same experience of like, oh, this is just a really normal thing that is in every circle. Why are so many people having such a strange reaction to this? This is a, this is just a thing. Like this happens. This is, this is like some people are born in a body that doesn't match who they feel that they are at times so that they, they need to step into that authentic self and become who they really are and have been their whole lives. And we should like, just cheer that on. We have so many things about empowerment and seeing ourselves and how to be authentic that like, if anyone does that, we should be celebrating. So yeah, I, I realized one of those things where I, I think my experience and, and just my, and again, like peripheral exposure to this trans community or, or having conversations with trans people, like was the more I realized that was a unique experience, the more I was like, oh, there's a lot of people who probably are terrified to even ask a question here because they don't know what it's like, or they don't, they're afraid to get it wrong, or they just don't know where to start. So if I can give people even the most rudimentary roadmap of, of here's some basic touch points of, of best practices that you can incorporate just to be more inclusive and just to build that concept of like interpersonal equity, you start to create safer environments that allow others to be themselves. And then like, I don't know, when everybody lives like that, the world feels pretty good. Yes. <laughs> so, that is what inspired it is because I realized how many people that were HR professionals didn't know where to start this conversation. So if, if I could, if I could help my peers make better workplaces for people at their companies, then absolutely that was what I wanted to do. And it, it, it did that and it rocked the room. I think you might've gotten a standing ovation. I could be wrong. I did not, Erin Deal. Did not. I, I stood up in my heart. My heart stood up for you. My no, heart stood that. up for you. But I will yeah. link to it in the show notes. And you know what I don't like about Disrupted Jar is at the end, you don't hear the applause, but yeah. she, she rocked the room and it is such a supportive audience, but you really brought it. And I'm just, that, you know, drew me to you and we've been friends ever since. And I'm so grateful to have you, to have your perspective on this because I want to take this. We're airing this show in June, okay, which is Pride Month. And I know a lot of companies celebrate the LGBTQ community year round, but not all do. So I want to ask this question. Why is it important to create these safe spaces to celebrate the LGBTQ employees that they have all the time, not just in June. Well, Erin, I don't know if you're aware of this, but I am an avowed homosexual. I do know this. I do know this. <laughs> I do know this about you. I do know this. Yeah, no, it's so important to create that because I think workplaces are one of those, for hundreds of years, our, our jobs, our occupations are like a cultural stronghold, right? It's a, it's a, it's a location of our identity. Um, I think as we've seen in the past, you know, even like 70 years, right? Like, even if we just go back to the time of the TV show Mad Men, 
um, we see a different type of evolution in the workplace of there is this structure in place that we will not in any way, shape or form deviate from. Um, and we will make this so everyone has to come here and fit into these existing boxes that have been predetermined historically by, you know, cisgender, heterosexual white males, you know, <laughs> and like nothing against them. They did what they knew how to do. Um, however, as more than just that demographic takes place in the work in the workplace, like you come to the office and maybe you don't fit into that box, right? Maybe you don't fit into that ideal workspace, you know? And I think we've seen this with literally name any group in the workplace, right? The, the, the struggle of working parents, the struggle of those over 40 veterans, the LGBTQ community, the black community, the Latinx community, the Asian or Pacific Islander community, you know, I mean, there, there's been this whole shifting evolution, like intersectionally of, of what it is to bring, you know, ourselves to work. And it is, a tremendous lift when, you know, if you think about it this way of like, imagine you're one of those characters that work at Disney World. Um, so every day you are Aaron Deal and you get up and you do your dance and you put on your face and you do put your hair in your scrunchie and you get your cute shoes on. And then you roll to the happiest place on earth as Disney World and you feel so good about yourself. And then when you get there, you have to put on this weird costume that has bib overalls on it and a dog head. And mm-hmm. then you have to present to everyone that you work with is that you're goofy. Mm. Mm-hmm. So it's this act of when you go to work, you have to be someone that you're not. And, you know, that is by and large, like a, tr- a huge part of the experience of being in the LGBTQ community as a professional. You know, I think every queer professional gauges at some point, like when, when do I say this is me? Uh, when do I, you know, what, what happens? Right. Because I think there aren't even, workplace protections, right? Um, Like gay people can still lose their houses, you know, like there are all these things that, that are risky as soon as you say, this is who I am. And so it's a big decision to be able to do that um, as a person, right? And the psychological safety, especially as a people operations leader that I want to imbue into my company, into the company of my friends, into the spaces where I am present is that there is acceptance for people who may find acceptance in other areas of the world or in other places, you know? Yes. That's where workplaces play such a role because I also think, you know, in the 90s, we had like the the very safe, the very sanitized coming out of like Ellen, we had Will and Grace, um, where it was like, oh, you can be, a gay person, but you have to be a gay person that acts a certain way and fits in a certain mold and doesn't do anything threatening. Um, whereas like the history of the LGBTQ community, it, when you think about Stonewall, I mean, it was like drag queens throwing bricks at cops, <laughs> you know, yeah. it, was, it was like, uh, it was trans individuals uh, throwing bricks at cops it was the trans individuals that were the catalyst for, for so much of the movement, right? That enabled the conversations to start taking place at a much bigger level, right? And there's no, there's no global history that exists without trans people, without queer women, without queer men. That, that history doesn't exist. It's just where, where are the obvious touch points that these people 
made an impact or were present, right? And and we can have this in our workplaces too, in a way that makes our businesses stronger, makes us more open to profit, makes us better community partners, you know, that really just is a win-win for everyone. Um, so I think that's, that's, that's why we need to do it as, uh, as an industry, you know, like as an industry, as workers, right. As companies, um, creating that matters. Yes, it does. And when that Disney world reference blew my mind, okay. <laughs> Cause you, re- I was, I got the scrunchie on and yes. I was stepping into goofy. Okay. You and feel you have- good. You feel yes. good. And then you get to the place where you can't feel good. Cause you yeah. can't be yourself. And that's hard. That's so hard. And I think, in my personal opinion, I think a lot of people's perception of of work and personal life changed in 2020. I think we saw a lot of people say, okay, well, I see into your home now. I see you more of a person. And, and my life's work truly with Improve It and using improv as an art form and a teaching tool is to break down those barriers. So people, and I'll never forget this, Betsy. I'll remember this forever. You said to me, because <laughs> we did a workshop and you had some team members come and you know <laughs> we do the chicken dance as of now in our workshops yep. and it guides people very gently outside of those comfort zones. But that's the point. And you said, and it, it failed it, fam. You can't see my hands, but you said, <laughs> Aaron has to get you to go here. And my hands are really wide, okay? Just to make you move this much. And my hands are look like I'm holding a tiny little pea. Yeah. That's exactly the mentality is we have to get outside of our comfort zones because if if we can't think about the way that everyone in our organizations feel and we can't put our, like that Disney world metaphor for me is is forever going to be ingrained in my mind too. And if you as a leader are listening today and can think about people in your organization who may not feel like they are bringing their true self to work, we got work to do, y'all. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. So let's let's start with you, Betsy. What are you doing right now at Embroker to create that safe space for, let's just LGBTQ. Let's just stick with this community. What are you doing to create that safe space? So first and foremost, I think I can create the safest space uh, for others by just creating the space itself invitationally. And there is no secret at Embroker, you know, that I am a queer woman and I have a woman who is my partner. This has been something that in my very first interview I talked about. Um, I talked about it every step of my interview process and have consistently been open about my life and, you know, being queer and my queer friends or my community, you know, I, I have no, um, I have no hesitation in sharing that obviously as like, I develop like appropriate professional relationships with the people in the pack, right? These are things that like are no secret, Um, but I think that's important because, um, last year during pride month, um, we had an all hands meeting and I did like just a brief presentation about what a pride celebration is, what the history is. I talked about Marsha P. Johnson. I talked about Sylvia Rivera. I talked about, you know, how everything started, you know, just with the ask to be allowed to exist Um, And I remember one of our employees reached out to me afterward and was just completely like, thank you. Um, I have 
never heard anyone at my workplace talk about being queer before. And this was just incredible. And it makes me really proud to work here. Hmm. It's one of those moments where it was like, we did very little, but also like, that's the impact you have is that you make a space for someone else to exist. Right. And I think like, even especially as a, as a professional woman, right? We all know the adage of like, when you get there, you make sure you prop that door open for the next person and put a ladder so it's easy for them to get in, right? Yeah. Like make it as easy as possible for someone to follow um, in your path more safely than you did, right? And I think as, as a queer professional and as a queer executive, that's something that like is critically important to me. Do you know, like my... Um, executive team. We are currently in month five of a seven month um, DNI coaching exercise where we're building strategic initiatives for the company and making our commitments for what our DNI programming looks like for the next three years, building a really strong roadmap with, with actionable items in every aspect of the business. And when we kicked off um, a couple months ago, you know, we were talking about what our thoughts were just about the process. And I talked to my peers, my executive team about how doing this work was so critically important to me because it it was not only just about building a better workplace, right? And building a place where people are excited to come and feel good about themselves and do really good work in service of our mission, but also that doing this type of work was was critical to my survival, right? Yes. Because yeah. Especially, you know, in a legislative landscape where um, multiple states are you know, hand over fist, taking rights away from trans individuals and making it harder for trans people to receive medical care, um, be with their families, you know, live with their parents. With the spate of that legislation across the United States, like that's a very slippery slope, you know, from trans individuals to the LGBT community, to people of color, to, you know, to women, I mean, like to women, <laughs> like it's just, you know, once these precedents are established, right? I think everyone then becomes tremendously vulnerable. And so how we're going to guard against that is also creating spaces at every touch point, right? So so getting an executive team or getting a, a body of leadership to take a better approach to and building an inclusive organization means that people are going to be able to keep jobs so that they can pay their rent so that they can keep their health benefits, so they can get the medical care they need, right? So they have that peace of mind when life is additionally challenging because, you know, I think the other aspect of it is like people in the LGBTQ community are so reliant upon friends frequently more than family for that community stability, for those family um, attachments. And so a lot of people have been cut off financially, <laughs> you know, so it's, yeah. it's not just... I want to feel good and wear a rainbow shirt, <laughs> which I, I don't even own a rainbow shirt, uh, <laughs> but it would be, I want to survive, right? Like I want to be able to keep a roof over my head and keep food in my fridge and keep my bills paid and be able to attend to my family's needs and my partner's needs. And, you know, as those arise. And so some of that means like building stronger structures where the threats that will come externally have a harder time getting in, you know, where there's, right, the world out there is terrible, but inside here, this is, this is great. And this is what we're doing. Oh, Betsy, everybody, 
Yeah, it's in this podcast. Yeah, yeah. your executive team. Yeah. Okay, because this is the real freaking deal. And Backstreet Boys just came on. I don't know where that came from, but I... Your heart, Erin. It came from your heart. It came from my heart. Hey, Failed It fam. Are you a leader for a small or large team that's stuck working from home? Are you missing the in-office happy hours or training sessions that allow people to interact and get to know each other? Are you sick of staring at a spreadsheet and you want something that will not only enhance team morale, but also build soft skills? Then Improve It has your back. We've pivoted all 11 of our in-person soft skill training workshops to this virtual environment. Using Zoom, we'll create a memorable hour and a half experience that can train your team on things like effective communication, leadership, thinking quickly on your feet, presentation skills, and networking all in this virtual environment. Leading a team of interns, let us wow them with our Career 101 workshop. Leading a sales team who's figuring out how to cold call or even warm call in this virtual world, have our team of improv professionals facilitate our sales training workshop. If this is the spice that your team needs to get out of this work from home rut, email us at info at learn to improve it.com. Again, that's info at learn to improve it.com and that's to improve it.com. Or you can head to our website, learn to improve it.com to learn more. We would love to help you improve your it virtually, whatever your it might be. So many members of the Failed It family, hey everyone, are corporate leaders, entrepreneurs, lead teams of people, emerging leaders, all people who lead people and love people listen to this show. And I know because I talked to them, what a lot of people are struggling with is taking this to their senior leadership. And what you just said is so important. And so many people need to hear it because I think a lot of times organizations who are more conservative have a really tough time with communicating this. So if you could give one action item to a member of the Failed It family right now who is struggling with creating this type of safe space for having these conversations at work, what's one action item they could take today? Shoot your shot. That's, I think, the first one. I think that's always my advice. Um, Shoot your shot. And I think even in a conservative environment, even in like, even when you look at some of the more like legacy businesses that have been around for 200 years, the needle is moving there. Because I think where where this gets hard and, and where this is just tough road to navigate is I grew up in a really small town that hated gay people. Um, and you know, you, you internalize a lot of that stuff, I think. Um, so there's a personal part of it that like, I know other people that grew up in my small town that are in fact, not hateful toward gay people, but they are certainly not accepting. Right. And that is just because they've never had an opportunity to learn, um, in a way that makes them and, you know, inspires them to learn to, to be a little different, you know? And so the thing is, is that even in a conservative business, there are hundreds of data points about being inclusive and creating these types of work environments and safer spaces at work 
um, for people in populations and communities that are externally oppressed or historically underrepresented, there's case study after case study after case study after case study that this is good for business, right? And I think the harder part is, is that it is incredibly motivating to know that this is a collection of people's personal stories and experiences and like how this is linked to the survival of so many people. But I think the other story that is in some way personally less important to tell, but professionally more important to tell is that this is also tied to the survival and the future of the business, especially when you are looking, you know, as we have like five generations in the workforce currently, like when you get down to Gen Z, like we have like a, an entirely different context and concept of understanding and acceptance and what even like, I think every generation that has evolved a queer identity has added more life. You know, it used to just be like LGB and then it was LGBT and then it was LGBTQ and then it was LB- LGBTQQIA, you know, like yeah. you get like more inclusive and, and, and just as we're able to have better conversations about what our identities are, we're able to build more resolute and more solid, you know, even conceptualizations of our own identity, you know? And I think even like we see this with pronouns, we see this with like gender identity um, where, you know, it was like one, two, three, seven, you know, like now there's yeah. Like now the concept is so different because we've been able to have better discussions about it. So when I say shoot your shot, I mean, find a way to connect this to leadership that resonates with them by just starting with some very simple equations of like, just go talk to someone and say, here's an article from the Harvard Business Review about how good it is to be an inclusive workplace. What else can we do as a company to to get here? Because as we are looking five, two to five to 10 years in the future, these are going to be non-negotiables for the workforce, right? Like we've seen this, I think, even in the wave uh, after COVID, depending on, you know, like all of the like job seeker advice was like, make sure you ask the company what their COVID response was and how they handled it. Yeah. Also as job seekers, when I get candidates asking questions about DNI, I know that these candidates are looking for a long-term home and they're thinking about the future of the company and what we're doing to build for the future, right? So companies want to survive, essentially, right? So shoot your shot, start having the conversations. And I think like that's where you just have to find one person that is like, in fact, I also agree that this is something we should work on, right? And then there's two of you. And then two of you talk to people until there's four of you, you know? And I think that is in every business, there are people that know this. And I think especially as more LGBTQ people come out and there is more understanding and just conversations about what it means um, to be like a a queer person in the workplace or not in the workplace. Like now everyone knows somebody that is a queer person who goes to their church, who, you know, is on, (laughs) not to use a stereotype, is on the softball team, you know, Uh, (laughs) like, that they there it it used to be no one knew a queer person right and now it's exceptional to not know a queer person perhaps like I remember uh, my best friend and I were building houses for Habitat for Humanity in 1998 on the Outer Banks in <laughs> North Carolina and uh, this woman thought my best friend and I were a couple and we were like oh no we're gay <laughs> and I remember she cried because we were the first gay people she'd ever met and it was just like incredible for her 
Cheryl, I don't know where you are, but if you're listening, you're welcome. Oh, Cheryl. I love a Cheryl. Cheryl. Oh, Cheryl. Shout out to Cheryl. Cheryl. Oh, my Mm -hmm. God. Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. See, and this is so important. So shoot your shot. Failed at fam. Yeah, shoot your shot. And I love this tangible advice. And I think as as you are even alluding to the talent retention and yep. recruiting efforts, I mean it that point that you made about you know what's your DNI strategy, what's your response to COVID, those things are gonna matter. Yeah. And so much, especially this new workforce coming in. I have a lot of Gen C people on my internal team and I've hired a lot of Gen C people in internship roles. And I mean, the the mission, the critical thinking beyond why your company exists and why you exist is far more important to them. Yeah. And so I think, you know, it's such an inclusive generation that Gen Z. Yeah. Um, so thank you, Gen Z. I don't, ja- Jackson, my son is an alpha, Gen Alpha. So hopefully his Gen will just be even more inclusive. Yeah. I mean, like, bring it on. <laughs> Let's do it. Let's make a world we yeah. want to live in. Let's do it. Yes. Oh, every day. Yeah, every yeah. damn day. And I don't normally swear on this podcast. Sorry if your children are in the car. Every <laughs> dang day. Okay. <laughs> so I we didn't really talk about your failed it story on here because I think it's so important to highlight the work that you have done. So mm-hmm. this wouldn't be the failed it podcast if I turned it around, if I didn't turn it to failure. So of course. I think, you know, we have we've talked about how society in general has failed at creating this safe space internally for the LGBTQ community. Am I, should I add the IA? Am I not saying that right? It's LGBTQQIA. LGBTQQIA. Okay. So okay. The QQIA is the, and this is, look, Aaron, I'm in my forties, so I may not also have the most up-to-date thing. Okay, so give me the, give me what Gen you Z, know. put it in the comments, call me out, help me fix it. Okay. No, help me, help me, help you, help me, help you. Queer, questioning, intersex, and asexual were the QQIA. Okay. Okay. Now, now I'm going to re-record all the questions I ask you with the incorrect, incorrect <laughs> acronym. No, I'm just kidding. I'm not. That's yeah. part of the failure. That's part of failing it. We learn as yeah. we go. So yeah. I appreciate that knowledge and we will include that. Um, but let me ask you this. See, I just failed it right there. But Betsy, what would you do even if you knew that you might fail? What would you do personally? I mean, I feel like every day is a journey. And I would say I would just keep what I am doing. I do, I feel like there are so many times I have an imperative to speak up. I come from like um, incredible, my mother and my grandmother, her mother were just incredible women. I, I mean, like I still have my mom. I'm tremendously lucky there. But she and my grandmother were both like very outspoken and be like, don't let them talk to you like that. And, you know? Yeah. But also just the behind the scenes emotion of doing hard work, but also how you are, um, especially as a woman, I think like there's going to be times that no matter what you do, it's going to feel like failure, right? And I think like, um, I don't know if I do any differently because I feel like I'm constantly ready to fail. <laughs> I think it. Can I tell you, I asked this yeah. question to almost every guest and the answer is almost the same because the people on this show are living and doing their life's work, which is what yeah. I think you're doing. So interesting perspective. And I talk about, my partner and I talk about it because we, are we I think, like are more comfortable with risk and change, you know? Than, and, and I think because of our like 
just our life circumstances. We have, a, you know, some flexibility and autonomy there that some people may not have either. But like, you know, we just picked up and moved across the country to Salt Lake City during a pandemic because we were like, well, if we don't like it, we'll find another place to live. <laughs> you know, like it's the like, there's nothing that we can't recover from. I think it, but that you only learn that by just constant decades of just disappointment. <laughs> <laughs> And then you get to the point where you're like, okay, well, is it going to be as bad as like 2000 to 2002 was? I don't think so. This will be okay. You could do it. You could do it. Yeah. Yeah. I I think back at 2020 and the compound on compound (laughs) of of crap that kept falling. And I was just like, okay, this is like a hiccup in a day in 2020 year. And you've got this. Okay. So I, I love that mentality. Betsy, we're coming to something that you may know is coming because I think you listen to this show. But if you if you may not, it's called the Feel Yeah Lightning Round. Oh, and there's a little yes. bit of improv. Okay, you ready? Yes. You ready? Okay, so you're just going to respond as fast as you can with a one-word <laughs> okay. answer. And cool. if you say more than one word, I'm going to give you the creepy fail yeah voice, okay? And just, you're not failing it. You know, you can't fail, but if you say more than one word, I'm going to tell you, Phil, yeah. Okay. Okay. Are you ready, Betsy McCann, for the Phil, yeah, lightning round? Let's do it. Let's do it. Here we go. One word to describe your early career. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> That's a word. I, t- I will take That's it. That's a word. Okay. Transcriber. Good luck with that. But yeah. like, <laughs> yeah, like, whoa. And we do transcribe this show. So we'll see what they come <laughs> up with. Um, okay. Can't one wait. word to describe where you're currently at in your career. Mountaintop. Is it a hyphen? Is it a is no, it that's a, one word? Okay, 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 okay. I like that. I like that. Okay. I'll take the failed it if it is no, you know, sure. I need a spell check. I need a spell check, corrector. No, it's one word. I'm gonna give it to you. Okay. <laughs> one word to describe your future self. Sparkles. Yes. One word to describe your favorite boss. Mentor. Ooh, okay. One word to describe your least favorite boss. Petty. One word to describe your own management style. Giggles. One word to describe your work from home fashion style. Oh, solid. Solid. Okay, we'll take it. This is a word word to describe this interview. Delightful. Yes. Okay, first of all, you can't say the word giggles and not giggle. So that was amazing. But Phil, yeah, you nailed it. You didn't feel it. Thank Thank you. That was really hard. Uh, because for my favorite boss, I almost just shouted out her name. I would have been like, Natalie! Oh, hey, Natalie. Hey, yeah. Natalie. Hey, Natalie. Hey, Natalie. Thanks for listening, Natalie. Welcome to the, the family. You changed Thank my you. life. You that she's a, she was a wonderful person to manage, I'm sure. Okay. How can people find you if they want to learn more or if they have questions? Are you opening? Are you opening? Are you opening up? Um, <laughs> are you open to people sending you questions via LinkedIn or want to find out more about Betsy McCann? How can they do that? Yeah, LinkedIn is the best way. Um, I think like everyone else in the pandemic, uh, I probably need like a 72 hour response time on LinkedIn. <laughs> yep, 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 yep. But I think like LinkedIn would be the best way. I think that is like just a tremendous way for personal connections. I think that is how during my Chicago years, I built a, a significant amount of people that started out as professional acquaintances, but then became personal friends. Shout out Jackie. <laughs> um <laughs> And I think like that would probably be the best place to find me. My socials are generally pretty private. One, because I work in human resources. 
Um, and I think that's just a best practice to have some like separate space where, um, you know, during the day I am absolutely 100% available, um, to everyone that I work with. And then I need some time that I'm just available to me. So I think my life is there. Um, we do have a pretty good shared Instagram called Marmalade Living. Oh, that's fun. So it's exclusive. Okay. Because we're in the Marmalade District in Salt Lake City, named because uh, the early uh, people who settled here, <laughs> settled. Uh, for example, the house we rent, um, we're in a duplex that was built in like 18... 18- 64 or something and it's such a great little tiny house and um the neighborhood we're in is like there's fruit trees everywhere like there's if you go up the street apricot street um there's just apricots everywhere cute Cute. i took a walk this morning and it smelled like honeysuckle (gasps) that is the best smell ever it's so good reminds me of like my childhood and to be Mm -hmm. honest i have i have some in my backyard like in my backyard there's honeysuckle can you believe that? I know. I, I know. It. I love it. Okay. So yeah, LinkedIn is the best way to get in touch with me. Okay. We'll link to that. And I just want to say, Betsy, you are a gem of a human. You radiate you. light Same. positivity and you're generally one of my favorite people. So thank Same. you so much for being here today. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you for allowing me to come fail miserably and <laughs> with you. Um, I have loved this podcast since the beginning. And I think, I don't know if you know this, Aaron, but my favorite question to ask candidates in a job interview is to talk to me about failure, simply because you can tell immediately in someone's nonverbal, the, like how comfortable they are with it. Right. And I think like, I was interviewing this woman a couple of years ago and she had this like mortifying story of failure about like creating an entire deck for a client with the wrong data set. And she sent it. She was getting ready to send it at like five minutes before the deadline and realized she had done everything wrong and had to call her boss and say, look, I'm going to fix this. You just need a cover for me. And it, like, even as she told me the story, I was mortified and like, she got that job. Yeah. Heck <laughs> like, yeah. I was like, look, look, you knew how to fix it. It was mortifying. You did not waste time making excuses or getting defensive. You just had a solution. Um, and you understood that like, it wasn't a judgment on you as a person because you failed. It was just like, everybody's going to fail. So it's just, today's my turn. Of course. Of course. Your whole talk about this, Erin, I think it's just so important. Well, I am grateful that we had you on the show and I'm, I know the failed at fam is going to take away so many juicy chicken nuggets of wisdom yes. from today. And I just want to say to the failed at fam, fail. Yeah. Fail. Yeah. Fail. Yeah. Hey friends, thanks for tuning in to Failed It. I am so happy you were along for the ride. If you enjoyed this show, please head on over to iTunes, leave us a five-star review, and subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. New episodes drop every Wednesday. Now, if you're really feeling today's show, please take a screenshot and tag me on Instagram at Keeping It Real Deal and share it to your stories so we can bring more people to the Failed It family. I'll see you next week, but I want to leave you with this thought. What will you fail at today and how will that help your future successful self? Think about it. I'm so proud of you and you are totally failing it. See you next time.